It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Oh, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Well, tonight's the night. We are pleased to be joined by the host of the Dexter cast. Say hello to Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I I really love the introcast format. Yeah. So you're a Babylon Five newbie, aren't you? Yeah. Um, my brother had actually sent me the first two seasons on DVD years back, and I started watching, and I didn't get very far. I don't think I'm I got as far as we are along now, and I didn't dislike it. It was just there were other things I was more interested in watching at the time. I think part of it was I just didn't like Sinclair. And now when your podcast started, it looked to be a good way to revisit that. So now I'm, I've started watching from the beginning, and I've forgotten pretty much everything I'd seen the first time around. Uh, so it's like you're coming at it fresh. Yeah. So, so your brother watched the whole series and really yes. liked it? Oh, yes. Okay. So if Dexter were to arrive on Babylon 5, who would he go for first, do you think? Oh, God. I, I, I would have said Jakar at the beginning, uh, but he seems to be getting much more uh, humanized, if you will. Yeah. Maybe Negrath or somebody like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> see Negrath in the shrink wrap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we are here to discuss episode six of season one called Mind War. But first, here is an ISN report. an ISN special report. There was a large explosion just outside the Babylon 5 station today, as well as reports of damage to the interior of the craft and minor injuries. The cause of the explosion is unknown, although it was reported to be a vessel that had just left the station. ISN has learned that passengers were evacuated prior to the explosion and that a section of the ship was blocked off. Multiple sources have told us that Psycops were aboard Babylon 5 during the incident. Some have speculated that their appearance is related to rumors of a rogue telepath. The Psycor had no comment on this story. This has been your ISN special report. Today's episode originally aired on March 2nd, 1994. It was written by Bruce Seth Green, who last directed Born to the Purple. And it, it was, was written by him, too? Oh, it was directed by him. Did I say oh, okay. written? Uh, it was written by JMS, directed by Bruce Seth Green. Heidi was a good guesser last week. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised. Because <laughs> really, I'm, you know, my theories are not based in anything. <laughs> right, it's just a guess. But yeah, it was a good guess. As soon as I saw the, the, um, the little icon, you know, that you press on the DVD, I was like, okay, this is not going to be about what I wanted to be about, which was <laughs> the hole in Sinclair's mind. So 
But it was okay. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It brought up some interesting ideas. So yeah, I just figured um, they wouldn't give us that much information that soon. I know. You also, though, got the other part of this. Uh, both of you want to see more um, Catherine stuff, and we got that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Did we? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think we yeah. said we would. I'm not positive we wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> we did, though. I do remember we did, though, say that we wanted to see her, like, doing her thing and not with Sinclair. So we did kind of get that. Oh. Yeah, that's what you were saying. <laughs> that's what it was on about. <laughs> All right, let's start with the episode. The episode begins in space with some star furies intercepting a stolen transport. They order it to surrender and prepare to be boarded. Next, we see a flash of light and the star furies are gone. And these are. Oh, the star furies were gone? Okay, I totally did not get that. And these aren't B5 star furies, by the way. They're other ones. Next, we see Catherine and Commander Sinclair. She's received an offer from Universal Terraform, and she's going to go see them. He's worried about her getting involved with a big corporation. He worries too much. She doesn't worry enough. It's like opposites attract. And, <laughs> and he has a he mentions that he has a budget meeting with the construction guild coming up. Well, he called it a mega corp, so I guess that's something that we're supposed to. Because I think they've said something else about a few times about corporations um, in this series. So. I guess we're supposed to think about that in terms of, like, you know, the rise of capitalism or something. Um, and just corporations getting bigger and bigger. Because, yeah, yeah, there were corporations, like, exploring, and so. Yeah. Um, were they drinking coffee? <laughs> Isn't that like a... Uh, never mind. doesn't matter. Well, they were definitely drinking something. Maybe um, Catherine's putting money from last week meant they could actually drink coffee for once. <laughs> Um, yeah, in this scene, you notice how um, one of them said, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Kiss of death. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she said, what thing, could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. At least last time I saw this, when I was watching the quotes, I saw Sheridan does a kind of eye roll at her after she says that. Yes, Almost, it was funny. You know, yeah. He knows that's a kiss of death. He might as well <laughs> have just said, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. Uh, next, we see the ship from earlier arrive at Babylon 5. The man on board said he's looking forward to boarding and opening credits. It seemed like a really short opening this time. Did it to you, Elizabeth? Um, I didn't notice anything. Um, I think because they changed scenes a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I just didn't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of like, whoa, credits already? <laughs> I thought, because can we back up really quick to um, the be- very beginning? So I thought his ship was the one that, I don't know, disapparated or jumped or something. <laughs> disapparated. So- I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, he was, it wasn't his ship? No, it was, well, that's not what I got it. Maybe he teleported or whatever to a new location. I thought he made the other ships disappear. Yeah, that's what I gathered as well. Or at least dispersed them a lot. Oh, okay. I because yeah. the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, I didn't realize the ships could do that. I thought maybe he just like jumped or whatever, you know, without a jump gate. And then the second time, I was like, oh, because after I had seen what he could do, I thought maybe he just with his mind, re- yeah. re- you know, took his atoms and stuff and put him into a different place in the universe. But well, the impression I got was that he 
in the opening thing, the first thing that happened was a Minequaker and he didn't want to destroy the ships or do whatever he did, but they were threatening him. That's the impression I got. Because if they knew that he could basically destroy Star Furies with his mind, why would they only send like two Psycops after him? I don't know. I got the impression that Psycops were the only things that could deal with him. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because they were, what, P-12, and he was supposedly, well, who knows what he was after. The yeah. He, yeah, he started out as a 10, but then they started experimenting on him. Is it really it's smart just... to make people stronger than your police? Mm, no. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, the impression I, I got from later in the episode was that his powers were grown exponentially, so when they sent those Star Furies after, off after him, they didn't know how powerful he had become. And when that happened, they they thought, oh dear, we had best send our best people after him. Mm-hmm, that's true. Next, we see Talia Winters talking to some guy, I guess it's a guy from Universal Terraform. He wonders what it's like to be a telepath. And she says it's like staying in a hotel room where you can hear the people next door, can try to shut it out, but it's always there, easy to block out casual thoughts but you know some can slip through and they get on an elevator with Garibaldi and she can hear what he's thinking and she elbows him man how creepy was Garibaldi <laughs> Garibaldi <laughs> needs to stop <laughs> yeah just too well, much. yeah I mean he's in the lift with the telepath he knows she's a telepath he should know better and she was just saying that <laughs> she can hear intense thoughts and then he was just yeah. uh, he deserved it but it must be like really hard to be a telepath, um, to always be constantly hearing voices or whatever and trying to block it out. Yeah. I mean, that's that sounds like a not very fun, obvious Buffy reference here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, except pre-Buffy. <laughs> we see two psychops arrive and they're talking to the guard, but you know, telepathically only the guard is speaking. The two telepaths, uh, Miss Kelsey was played by Felicity Waterman. She was on Knott's Landing and she was a stewardess in Die Hard 2. And Bester was played by a little known actor named Walter Koenig who hasn't done anything besides B5. I'm just kidding. <laughs> For those that are Star Trek fans, he was Pavel Chekhov on the original series and he reprised that role many times in the movies and in, you know, online. Okay, I knew I recognized him, but I didn't know where I recognized him from. <laughs> He's not looking for nuclear vessels this time. <laughs> um, just a little note about this character. Okay, this online book club podcast called The Sword and Laser that I participate with, they picked a book last year called The Demolished Man by an author named Alfred Bester. And it took me, I mean, I didn't even really make the connection at first until someone pointed it out that JMS named this character after him. Oh, Um, okay. And the book is set in the future without giving too much of the plot away. But I think a lot of this is on the sleeve, but they have telepaths called espers. And I can see a lot of similarities where the espers are rated based on their ability level one through three and... In this future, there hasn't been a murder committed in, I think, 70 years. And they have sort of policemen who are espers. And I remember one of the the main espers kind of thought that all espers should be 
you know, register, so to speak. So I saw a lot of similarities that were kind of cool. Yeah, although JMS has actually stated that um, the Psychor is meant to be different and separate to the portrayal of telepaths in the book, even though there are similarities, you know. He's, again, drawing on works he enjoys. Well, I got really excited <laughs> when I saw the Psychops, um, especially when they started t- talking about a rogue telepath, because I think I mentioned that I really want to see um, evil telepaths. Yeah, I was excited I, for you. When- <laughs> <laughs> which I think um, we we will get more into the, you know, the Psychor and the Psychops and really like the evil is inherent in that because... It seems like um, he wants to make, I guess, talk about, you know, power and power corrupts. And uh, I think we'll get to see more of that. So, yes, I was very excited. Yeah, and it was kind of a prediction. Ah, cool. Sorry. uh, It was a wish. It was a wish, yeah. But, yeah. So that's good. Because how can you not, you know? Especially when they say that one out of a thousand humans has this ability, you know? Yeah, JMS yeah. would put the actor in a different kind of role other than Chekhov, kind of go against typecasting. Uh, a lot of people were skeptical when he was cast. It was just going to be Chekhov on BS5, but he really got to play a really different kind of character. To borrow a word he... from the Dexter cast, he was creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought evil Chekhov was wonderful. I thought that was a uh, great casting. Yeah, he was good. And they even put him like in evil looking black uniforms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to wonder at that uh, choice of uniform, all black with black gloves, black polo necks. Yeah, it wasn't super subtle, but uh, it worked. Well, if yeah. they had a real sense of humor, they could have given him a red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh and, uh, you got to kind of wonder what he was saying to the guard, you know, as well. Because um, you only hear one side of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is super creepy. He does that a lot like that. <laughs> Another thing, the actor thought it would be interesting for a psychop to have a useless hand, so Bester's left hand is not functional. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> no, I didn't either. <laughs> well, you definitely, I, I noticed it um, this time around, especially um, when when he gestured with the um, clenched hand um, later in another scene. Okay, yeah, I, t- I totally missed that. Next, we see Catherine is having her meeting. She wants to know about the target of the survey. It's Sigma 957. There's not much atmosphere, mostly nitrogen and oxygen. Sensors have picked up deridium, which is a byproduct of quantum 40. It was mentioned in the last episode. Uh, they want her to verify uh, the existence of it on that planet. Uh, there's a shortage of it back on Earth, which... They used that in jump gate construction. I thought that that was interesting. Oh yeah, well Talia's there to help with negotiation. They don't want Catherine to mention this even to the commander and Talia verifies that Catherine's telling the truth. But since the target is in congested, sorry, contested space, (laughs) uh, they need Jakar to approve this as well. So what is contested sectors? Is that like where two different planets are saying that they have claim over the area or are we supposed to think that i don't know that's kind of yeah, it that yeah. it's like not owned by anyone uh, i don't know uh yeah <laughs> government i guess yeah so maybe the narn it's just between earth and the narn home world 
which I don't know what it's called. Do we know what it's called? The Narn world? Can't be we Narn. Narnia. Narnia. That's what we call it, yeah. Write it down. Oh, sorry. I'm just now imagining uh, the whole Narnia stories going on. Oh, Narnia, the Narn planet, and yeah, you could then tile that into um, B5 continuity. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, fan fiction. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I love it's it. It's not, somebody needs to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we see the Psychops meets Sinclair. They're talking to him telepathically, and he gets he doesn't like that. He tells him to get out of my head. Bester apologizes, saying that it saves time and they're afforded greater response, greater latitude when it comes to going into people's head because it's more efficient. And explains to them that they're hunting a rogue telepath who is special and dangerous, and his presence threatens the entire Earth Alliance military structure. Yeah, I think they mention here um, something about like when telepaths go rogue, then it can be bad. So clearly, this has happened before. So, yeah. Yeah, they're presumably about as effective as the Watcher's Council dealing with rogue slayers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I like that Sinclair actually got angry. You know, I like to see him showing any emotion, and I'm, I, I like that he's telling him to get out of his head. Uh, but also, I mean, you would think that high-level telepaths would have really good people skills since they know what mm -hmm. everybody is thinking. And, yeah. you know, Bester is like, well... You don't need to know what kind of a threat this guy is to your station. What? I mean, how can that be reasonable? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Mm, I agree. He does seem, yeah, he does seem to have a few control issues, though. Yeah, and is, does anybody like when they talk to them like that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so they should probably be used to people. And then you have to argue, so that takes time. So, yeah, not very good people. Neither of them. They were pretty... Well, I think that's like a good... I mean, I guess... They're just trying to show how, you know, when you have so much power, you know, you start to think of other people as less than, you know, so. Although I've just thought of something, actually. If they spend most of their time talking to people telepathically, they don't need to develop their verbal interpersonal skills. They just say the thoughts. I guess. I wonder if they talk to each other that way. Oof. I don't know. They talk about it later about, um, well... Talia talks about it later, but the whole time I was just thinking about how creepy it would be to date a telepath. <laughs> like, I would know. That would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> just somebody knowing, you know, all your thoughts and, I mean, even if they don't want to or if they're trying to block them out, I mean, I mean, that's just something that I mean, I could see a lot of people on Earth being scared yeah. of that and wanting to have a registry. I'm not saying they're doing it the right way, but I mean, just the thought of that just is very off-putting, you know? I guess it's... Somebody is, it, is a telepath, but they don't say anything or you don't know, and then, I don't know, it'd be, you'd probably want to know, <laughs> so... I guess it brings complete honesty to a relationship, because they'll know everything, like, I hate it when he does this or this and this, and he'll know <laughs> you're thinking that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can't help what you think, and sometimes yeah. you think mean things and sometimes you think nice things but yeah. you don't really mean them really I mean yeah. you just think them and I don't know there's a reason there's a filter <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. so actually we see the guy who was boarding the ship check into his room wasn't it like $500 500 credits credits yeah, yeah. what uh, is a vibe shower I want to know 
Are we going to see a vibe shower? Is that a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> so like on Star Trek, they have sonic showers. Something. It's like, what, how does that work without... I guess it's a shower without water or something. He could probably just clean the dirt off him with his mind, so... Yeah, get rid of the molecules. Um, <laughs> the guy doesn't appear to be feeling well. The room starts shaking. The guy's name is Jason Ironheart. He's played by William Allen Young. He's on a show right now called Good Luck Charlie. He's been on some CIS, CSI shows, but he also played the father on Moesha, if you ever saw that show. I think it was on UPN or something. I thought I it was strange. Say, oh, go ahead. I thought it was strange that he, like, starts whatever is happening, you know, his little mind quake thing, and nothing is picked up this time on, like, their radar or any of their, you know, extra, all oh, of their yeah. extra protections in Babylon 5. Either that or one of the texts just thinks there's a pretty active sex young couple up down below. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the psych- I have to say, though, that this actor kind of bugged me. He did, um, yes. <laughs> everything was very, like, like he was auditioning for Shakespeare in the Park or something. It was very <laughs> dramatic. And, okay. like, everything was so emphasized and... Yeah, I was, and then later, oh my god, it just got worse. So I'm so. glad you, I'm not the only one who had a problem. Um, well, previously, when I've seen this, it's been okay, but this time, every time I sat down to this episode, I fell asleep doing one of his scenes. <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. He's doing a bad Shatner, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we see the Psychops question Talia about Jason Ironheart. He was her instructor at Psychor Academy. He worked with P5 through P10 level telepaths. He himself was a P10 like all instructors. Psychops are rated P12. Kelsey seems pretty full of herself you know, throughout the whole episode, basically. <laughs> she was getting on my nerves. Um, yeah, she was. So, okay. So Talia is a P5, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the lowest that that would go into the academy, or he was just instructing people starting at that level. I think he was instructing people starting at that level. I'm not sure. <laughs> I see. The lowest. Okay. And they mentioned they have spies on other worlds. So I'm. It's either one of two things. Either one, the humans on other worlds, um, so that they're not completely obvious. <laughs> Or everybody knows who they are because they're the only human on this on this alien world. You know what I mean? Like it, like if there was a spy on another world where all the people that live on it look different, wouldn't you say that they would have to have multiple humans on that world in order for them not to be detected? Yeah, you would think so. Otherwise, so I wonder it would if be they... like, okay, random human right there. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, kind of like how they said that Earth has seen alien immigrants maybe the other worlds have seen human immigrants or maybe they have ambassador i mean diplomats or i don't know just made me think yeah i feel like we got a whole bunch of information about the whole thing but there was so much that i'm like okay well what's important yeah i don't know because i was surprised by how many uh oh that comes later never mind 
Yeah, well, they yeah, gave a lot of information. They explained that he was assigned to a covert operation a year ago, and I think that what he knows could compromise Earth defense, and he wants to sell the stuff that he knows. Talia hasn't had contact with him other than letters since she left the Academy. Letters to a space station. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they still eat that. <laughs> on the communication they're like oh let's put this in the post office yeah. Yeah. yeah we're like you no letters now you know it's rare but I'm not sending it to space do. though no kidding they <laughs> should be way beyond us they should have some other kind of communication that's completely that we can't even think of yeah I mean they have the video chats you know mm-hmm. I don't know that was weird but they're not allowed to use oh yeah the comm channels yeah uh-huh. <laughs> The Psychops need to scan her to make sure she's telling the truth, and it's very painful. And Kelsey looked like she was into it. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> Does it take both of them to scan her? Yeah, during um, this scene, there's a cut to um, Sinclair and um, Ivanova, and briefly, Ivanova's in the corner of the shop, but you can see the disgust and the horror on her face of what Tally is going through here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it, and then at another point, uh, Sinclair like actually I think starts to get up to stop them, and she like grabs his arm and makes him sit back down. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. And Ivanova gave Talia water at the end, even though she has disdain for telepath. She was sympathetic right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that touch. Yeah, that as well. It seems there are telepaths, and then there are telepaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- and I think that the. I think that the uh, disdain that Ivanova has for telepaths is for the telepaths like the Psychops. And so, you know, in, in this episode, she's kind of seen that Talia isn't really one of them and that she's even willing to, to break their rules. Right. That's true. Mm. Oh, when Talia leaves, Ironheart contacts her. He intentionally waited until after the psychop scanned her to make contact tells her that needs a place to wait for a little while and that millions of lives are at stake so i was kind of annoyed with him because like he clearly cannot control himself and he's going you know to this you know station where the woman he loves is and i don't know i feel like he could really have hurt a lot of people so that maybe was, that was kind of annoying Huh? And maybe he should have just written her a letter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might have gotten there a few weeks later, but you know what? That's all right. 250,000 people. Oh, I'm sure he could have just, like, um, telepathed his thoughts to her from far away. He's so powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think that this scene made it obvious that there's no way he's going to somehow sell his knowledge of what's been done to him to anybody else. He can't even control it himself. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for him, but at the same time, I was like, well, okay, you're screwed, but do you have to put everybody else in danger? So, but, oh well. Next, we see Catherine and Jakar. Jakar doesn't want her to go to Sigma 957. She thinks he's trying to get at the commander through her, but he says it's not the case. Sigma 957 is just an unhealthy place. There's a lot of strange things happen there. She thinks they, the Nard, want to keep it for themselves, even though they don't have enough resources to explore themselves. But he says his warning is sincere. But if she has to, Catherine's willing to go over his head to get approval. And did you believe him? No. 
<laughs> I didn't really think he was doing anything evil, but I didn't really understand what he had a problem with. Um, I thought, found it interesting when they said that the Narn government doesn't have enough resources for mining that world. So that's interesting, I guess. But Earth does, so... Hmm. I didn't believe him at the time. I think I did by the end of the episode. But I also liked his comment that, you know, none of us is what we seem. That seemed very much like foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, we know, okay, we we know that clearly Delenn is not what she portrays herself to be, right? Right. But Londo, like, what, what would that mean? I mean... He seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> well, but but we have seen that uh, that they do a lot of blackmail in in his planet. You know, there's there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes of him too. Yeah, but I, I don't. Does that affect how he is though? Like he seems to be like pretty straightforward with his shenanigans and stuff. Like he doesn't seem to be putting up a front in terms of how he how he is like as a person or as a whatever centauri and sinclair how is sinclair not what he seems i mean clearly <laughs> we know he has all in his mind and who knows but what does jakar know about that yeah. um i'm not know. sure i'd want to see the skeletons in, in londo's closet but i guess we'll find out eventually <laughs> <laughs> and how does jakar know about this i think it's more of like a thing that the writers wanted to say versus something that Jakar would even know. Like, I think he was just saying, oh, I could be, you know, nice, and I don't know. I don't know. I I always think that Jakar has more information than he lets on, and I still do at the end of this episode. I think he knows more about what is uh, at, like, 957 than he is telling her. So I mm-hmm. always assume that he knows more than he's saying. Yeah, he probably does. Yeah. And next we see Ironheart and Talia. Okay, uh, Ironheart volunteered for a psychor experiment to make telepaths stronger. They claimed it was necessary to protect Earth. Says one day he woke up and could see everything. He could cut through any block without even trying. He found out the truth about the experiment, which was to create a stable telekinetic, which is very rare, and it worked. More information on the cycle here. More information on Earth telepaths. Just what you wanted to hear. Yeah, but it made it seem like um, so they're defending from other telepaths on other worlds. So we know the Narns don't have telepaths. So I wonder. <clears throat> we haven't heard anything about the other planets having telepaths. So I don't know. That that made me curious about that. Yeah, um, we get some numbers here. Um, one in every 1,000 humans, I think they said, were mm-hmm. telepaths. And then one yeah. in every 100,000 telepaths. Was it 100,000 or 10,000? I think it's 10,000. 10,000, 10, I think. Um, there we go, with a zero. Um, and one out of every 10,000 telepaths are telekinetic. And he says half of those are insane. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So even if, like, um, even if we were to say that the Earth population hasn't uh, hugely grown from now, which of course it probably would have, um, that's like still like 7 million telepaths running around. They could get up into some trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, also he, when he said serotonin, I, it took me out <laughs> for like a minute. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Say it I right. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> interesting because have we even heard have they even brought up telekinesis before 
in terms of people being able to to do it before. No. I think Can't this remember. was the first mention. Okay. Yeah. So Talia, at first, she didn't pass the test, so she 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 didn't have the that power, you know, when she did it at the Psy Academy or whatever. <clears throat> Garibaldi has a lead on Ironheart. They narrowed it down to 50 guest quarters that were rented in the past 24 hours. And Garibaldi wants them out as soon as possible because he doesn't like Psychops being around. Bester arrives and gets the info from Garibaldi's mind, and Ugh. he also reads some other pretty malevolent thoughts in there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah though, uh, anytime, <laughs> any place, though. Yeah. 50 rooms seemed like a lot in 24 it hours. Did. Like on the station, I was just like, wow, really? 50? Uh, yeah. And next we see a shot of Catherine leaving for Sigma 957. After that, we see Jakar open up a private channel to Homeworld. He requests a heavy class warship for a mission to Sigma 957, heavily armed. So, what did you think he was up to at this point? No good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of thought they were, I mean, since they kind of foreshadowed him not what he appears, I kind of thought that he was doing something to help her, but I wasn't sure. I mean, I I didn't really have a fully formed prediction at this point. Um, I was just kind of going along with it, so. I didn't think he was trying to have her plane shot down, but I did think that he was trying to keep her away from that planet, you know, by any means necessary, so... I thought he was going to trying to make sure that she didn't get there. Yeah, he thought something was happening there that he wanted to keep secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just on a brief side note, something I noticed about uh, her ship this time. It's a mon- modified uh, transport ship. Firefly um, class? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you've only seen a few CGI shots so far, so I suppose you guys wouldn't have picked up on this. But yeah, um, those ships are transport people from um, a, you know a big ship into Babylon 5 it looked like it was modified one of those with um, extra things on either side oh okay <clears throat> excuse me so the next we see Ironheart explains that he thought they wanted telekinetics for big jobs but it turns out they wanted them for small jobs like murder without a trace and he starts losing control again and orders Talia to get away we see the state the station shaking it's a mind quake <laughs> it sounds like the name of a sci-fi movie original movie mind <laughs> i swear that yeah. must be because i've heard that term before but the fact that they have a term means that it's happened before i'm sure like it like sometimes this happens mm-hmm. um, yeah. now mm-hmm. it seems like um he just escaped right is that what we're like he had just escaped from the facility that's the impression i got anyway okay so they've never had anybody as powerful as him before. So in theory, they still haven't been able to create somebody that can do what they want to do, which is to kill like yeah. that. Well, I was thinking anyway, at, at least no unstable. Perhaps what happened before was, you know, they created unstable people and um, they might had a couple of mind quakes and then died or exploded or something, so they've got no one to really dissect anymore. And that's why he's so valuable, because he's the only one to survive the tests. Okay. And at this point, they clearly think that two Psychops is going to be enough to handle him, which you know turns mm-hmm. out not to be the case. 
clearly underestimated him. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's okay. It made me think about uh, when they were talking about, um, I think in Soul Hunter, about the uh, Minbari leader dying. And they said, somebody said it was your fault or whatever. So my mind immediately goes there. But I, I just don't think they had that capability back then because it seems like it was he was the one successful or semi-successful experiment and he had just escaped so anyways yeah, it's almost natural um, thought though that governments would want an, an assassin like this for black ops and things so you know again it's kind of realistic what governments would try and do if you had someone capable of this mm-hmm it seems to me that there must be easier ways of killing somebody without a trace. Well, if you can do it without even coming close to them, though, that would be... I mean, easier in terms of that particular instance, but not easier in terms of creating a whole different type of person. Yeah. And then dealing with the aftermath of that, so... Yeah. Also, yeah, also you can make it look like natural causes and mm. no sign of assassination, so there's not even suspicion. Right, but to get there was the the hard part, to get to the point where you had somebody that could do that. Yeah. But that's kind of like, I mean, coming coming to the, if we can do it, should we do it, you know, question. You know, if we can create a weapon, a nuclear weapon or whatever, you know, should we? Yeah. Clearly, uh, Einhardt thinks he's, you know, they shouldn't. And yeah, it's a moral decision he's made to run. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, well, I think they we haven't got quite to that point yet, but I think it's just, just next, as they were talking about how <clears throat> the Psycor was controlled by government, but now they're basically controlling themselves. Um, I mean, because really, who can, if you have telepaths and telekinetics, and I mean, I don't know, how do you control that? Well, it's what um, Ivanova says earlier in the episode, who watches the watchers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Garibaldi has a fix on the cause of the disturbance, but the only way to get to it is to go through some kind of shield that completely surrounds level 16. You see Talia looking concerned. Catherine comes out of the jump gate. She'll arrive at Sigma 957 in about three hours. Back on B5, Sinclair and Ivanova are upset that the Psychops withheld information from them. He says best Bester says that Ironheart is no longer entirely human. They don't really mm-hmm. know what he is. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, what does that even mean, that he's not entirely human? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but later, uh, Jason <laughs> himself says something about that, like, basically, he's not him anymore. So, he's sort of saying the same thing. Yeah. I suppose so. He's becoming, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, it's these little things and then what Einhardt says later um, in his little speech which kind of reminds me of um, Voyager and what happened with Ked and that but this is, uh, I feel it's done a bit better here but because they don't go into the stupid thing that Voyager did um, with uh, the way Kez dealt with it and a really cheesy speech about there's another realm beyond the atomic oh <laughs> So, yeah, uh, 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 it's just something that's always stuck in my mind. I loved Ivanova's reaction to them in this scene, though. I I got the feeling that if she had been in charge, that the Psychops would have been put in an airlock and blasted out into space. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did. I just kind of have a problem with the fact that everyone had a problem with the psychops. I mean, I totally understand why you would, because you don't want people playing around in your head. But they obviously have use for a telepath on B5. And so I felt like it would have been more balanced if, not necessarily if someone was on their side, but just if someone didn't have quite as much extreme dislike for them as everyone seemed to have. Well, it's like we said earlier, they don't have the greatest social skills and they are rubbing up everyone in the wrong way. So maybe if they had gone in nicer about all of this, uh, you know, they might have had people on their side, but they're just rubbing up everyone on the command staff completely the wrong way. And yeah, everyone's going to do everything they can to work against them if they're doing it like this. Yeah, it would have been... I mean, I could see why everybody was kind of against them because they come in, they basically try to take over and then don't tell them what's, you know, what what it's really about. I mean, they kind of, they do, but they don't say, like, what could happen or anything like that. But it would have been interesting to see, like, somebody that had had experience with psychops before or, you know, had a, a, I guess, a better feeling for them just to have that contrast. But, yeah, I mean, they, they were really set up as the villains here, so... Mm-hmm. It makes you Very think much. if there's any reasonable psychops, you know, or they're just being basically shown as um, just mustache twirling villains. Um, kind of at the end, Bester was a little bit more reasonable, but he didn't really have a choice, so. Uh, yeah, so Bester explains that Ironheart killed the head researcher in the experiment and escaped. He was showing some signs of distress during the last phase, and they were afraid that some government might try to kidnap him because he's a valuable commodity. Uh, what they so are they talking about the another planet government or are they talking about like another government on Earth? That I couldn't quite figure out. Got the idea it was another planet. Okay. I try to if they found out. So the Psycor is really like, it's like uh, global, really. Yeah, I believe so. It, mm-hmm. Like, it, basically you've got Earth Force which is you know, the military arm of the Earth Alliance, and then you've got Cycle, which is the group de- designated to work with telepaths, for telepaths, and then Psychops are the, the ones who are meant to go out and hunt rogue telepaths. Mm-hmm. Well, what the Psychops plan to do is to use a failsafe code that was programmed into Ironheart. They have to be in line of sight to do it. Reminded me a little bit of River Tam and her failsafe code in case she went crazy. Hmm. Um, Talia goes to speak to Ironheart through the shield. He lets her through, and he explains that he thought that seeing her would help him keep it together until he died. Now he regrets that he put everyone at risk. And he talks about how... Oh, go ahead. No, I said, yep. <laughs> uh, he talks about how the Psychor is now pulling the strings back home. They're becoming more powerful because they are the ultimate blackmail. And says that he's no longer Jason. He is becoming everything. Yeah, a little over the top. Yeah, this is okay. where he starts to get on yeah. your nerves. <laughs> yeah, he started way before for me, but... Um... <laughs> so the Psycho... So basically, he's basically saying that because you, they can read people's thoughts then they can blackmail them on those thoughts but um i mean i really want to see like 
a war, be- you know, within the Psy Corps, you know, the good versus the not so well intentioned. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully we get to see. I mean, I'm sure we will get to see more of the Psy Corps. I mean, we've heard about it a lot already, but yeah, is, is my mic coming through? Yeah. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. It'll be a war where nobody ever speaks. They're all telepathically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Catherine assumes parking orbit around Sigma 957. She launches a probe and starts receiving data. Then we get to see her Jakar impersonation. When yeah, I thought that was fun. <laughs> then- I wish she was as good of an impressionist as I am, which is to say, not a very good one at all. <laughs> Uh, we see some kind of disturbance show up this behind her. And is this where we see it, or is that later? I can't remember. Um, we see oh, that's just later. a little, yeah. Later, uh, we see Talia catch up with Sinclair, and she admits to him that she's seen Jason. His TK abilities have grown faster than expected. Ironheart wants to see Sinclair alone and unarmed, and she tells him that they were lovers back at the Academy. And then she goes into this long <laughs> explanation of what it's like when telepaths make love. And Oh my god. <laughs> this was horrible. I was cringing the entire time. Yep. I, yeah, I was like trying to focus on the CGI in the background. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was bad. Yeah, it was kind of, here Sinclair, I'm going to tell you this really awkward story of me and my lover. And you're just going to have to sit here and endure it until I get to the point. <laughs> yeah, why? Not a car. <laughs> get leave. Yeah, to to much like we do. The oversharing it. is just too much. Yeah, this is making oh, me uncomfortable. Could you hurry it up for a <laughs> Well, at least they were having a private conversation this time. There wasn't anybody else on the car. No, because she scared them all off, I think. You know? <laughs> Maybe she had another story we didn't see. And that just cleared the car. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. I can't, I can't even. It's the only I, time. I had to watch it a second time. I was like, oh no, this scene is coming up. Oh no. <laughs> it's the only time in a telepath's life when you no longer hear the voices. Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Back at Sigma 957, Catherine sees a flash of light and something big is above her vessel and we see it go into the disturbance and her computer doesn't know what it is, but she's lost most of her power. Her orbit is deteriorating and she'll impact the planet in two hours. She doesn't have enough energy left to contact B5 or maneuver out of her situation. I can't believe that she goes by herself, but... um... Yeah, it seems kind of... Uh, smart. Well, yeah, she's I, just. Uh, I was just thinking, she's just got this big um, windfall. You know, she's overconfident. That's the only thing I can attach to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was. Yeah, this was interesting. I didn't know what to think about what was going on. What did you think about the graphics? Is this where we saw the thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It kind of looked like spidery at first because, like, we, you were seeing it from the top down and then it had like this ball on top but then when you saw it going into that light it was like it was like a circular tray and then like all these tentacly things and then the ball on top so i didn't know if it was supposed to be like a ship or like a thing i have no idea like a life form or whether it was machine yeah, yeah like what i i don't know either 
Yeah, the interesting thing about these graphics is second time I watched well, yeah, second time I watched it this week anyway, um after being reminded of the end of the end uh, speech with you with Jakar, um uh what's her name ship Catherine's ship does look like an insect next to this thing. It really does. I really couldn't see the size difference. Like I was, I I was really trying to pay attention to the ship, and I didn't even notice how big it was compared to hers. So it was like an ant type of thing compared to her ship. Um, the perspective was that either that or a really small mammal. You know, it's just it's massive. This Uh thing's massive compared to her ship. Yeah. Back on the station, Sinclair meets with Ironheart. He, Ironheart says that eventually he was able to interact with atoms and he doesn't think that humans are ready for this kind of power. All he wants is safe passage off the station so he'll have time to finish becoming. <laughs> Whatever that means exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sinclair contacts the CNC. He wants Garibaldi's men to clear a path to the docking bay and he wants it kept secret. Back at Sigma 957, Catherine's entering the atmosphere when two ships are detected. It's the Narn to the rescue. Uh, they were sent by Jakar to rescue her. The captain is Captain Shadog. He Shadrog, sorry. <laughs> he was Michael McKenzie. He played a pilgrim in the Parliament of Dreams. Oh, okay. On Babylon 5, they're evacuating non-essential personnel. It's the second evacuation we've seen recently. It made me think of it could be a dangerous place, but it's our last. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, um, and earlier on, we actually get the first mention on of the name of the marketplace here. I think think this is the first time when um, Ironheart gets the information screen when he first goes into his little apartment. Um, uh, you get the uh, automated video thing. And yeah. the marketplace is called the Zoclo. Oh, it's not the first time. We've heard it at least two or three times before this. Oh, we have. Sorry. It was just, yeah. it stood out to me this time. And I thought, okay, at least you're aware of that. We're not going to spoil anything if we call it the Zoclo. Oh, yeah, no. The Psychops get wind that something is going on. Those nosy Psychops. And we see Jason struggling to get to the docking bay. <laughs> just the way he was walking and uh (laughs) (laughs) the psychops try to use the fail safe code fail safe code to shut him down and when he starts to lose control sinclair wants the psychops to let him go he punches bester hilarious yeah (laughs) kelsey pulls out a gun to shoot at ironheart but he vaporizes her or something yeah that was that was crazy i was like Whoa, what? He just, like, pulled apart all of her molecules or something? Yep. Don't make me do this. <laughs> uh, I mean, couldn't he have, like, done it another way? <laughs> just say, yeah, well, you don't have to vaporize her. You can vaporize the gun in her hand, maybe. That's all I think, you know. TK? You got TK. Push her away? Yeah. Put a little wall between you two. I mean, you didn't have to do it, but okay. I didn't like her, so, all right. <laughs> yeah. Bester pulls out a gun also, but Ironheart zaps him 
Apparently, the reason why he didn't kill Bester because killing Kelsey took a lot out of him. Um, oh, okay. And they get Ironheart to the ship. Uh, I thought it was because they wanted to use Bester in future episodes. That's <laughs> 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 well, you know, that that reason is as good a reason as any. He was tired. Yeah. Yeah. Don't kill the guest star people know about. Yeah, don't kill the famous guy. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope he's back. Yeah. On CNC, they pick up an energy surge that is off the scale. I love it on TV when they say, oh, it's off the charts, it's off the scale. Um, there's a. F- well, clearly, your scale's not good enough. <laughs> exactly. The scale doesn't go high enough. What's your problem? <laughs> there's a flash, and Jason is transformed into energy, I guess. Um, Ironheart says that he has become, <laughs> and he gives Talia a gift, and she faints. Says goodbye to the commander and that he'll see him again in a million years. What does that mean? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this just hurts my brain and I'm just going to have to not think about it. Yeah. Well, first of all, he became um, the top half of a Kendall. I don't know what (laughs) was that. He's in good shape. Yeah. He thinks of himself pretty well. Look at that muscle. Yeah, that was very weird. That was very weird. Um, but the yeah, the million years thing was I my brain I cannot handle that. <laughs> Later, you see Garibaldi and Sinclair kind of force Bester to agree to a cover story on what happened, and they want him on the next transport ship back to Earth. How is this going to work? And what? How can he lie to his superiors? How is that even possible? Well, and I was trying to figure out why he agreed to lie. Like, I, you know, I heard everything that they were saying, but I was still like, well, once he gets back, why wouldn't he just tell them what happened? And wouldn't they just scan him and find out anyways? Right. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just see this not working very long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sinclair suggests they keep their eyes open in case what Ironheart was saying about the Psychor trying to control everything is true. And Garibaldi is curious about what Ironheart meant when he said he gave Talia a gift cut to Talia's quarters and she's moving that penny telekinetically, which she couldn't do before. You know what uh, the funny thing about this scene is that came to my mind was she's moving a penny. They still Mm -hmm. have pennies? Right. (laughs) She said it was um, an old penny she had, I think kind of maybe their analogy or something she got when she was younger on eBay or something. Mm. Yeah, but so they, yeah, they're using credits. Pennies in 200 years. It'll be yeah. worthless. I mean, completely. <laughs> it's worthless. It's yeah, it's pretty worthless oh, I now. Know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, a, a penny from 200 years ago, 300 years ago, that's worth something, isn't it? Yeah, because they were made of like real silver and real gold and stuff. They don't have pennies in Canada anymore, do they? I think I heard they got rid of pennies. I think I heard and that. Too. The U.S. is thinking about doing the same. Yeah, it would make more sense. I'm yeah. sure it yeah. has, to call, about has that. to cost more than the penny to manufacture them. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. It does. I've heard that before. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. A, a, a YouTuber um is really into this campaign to eliminate the U.S. penny, John Green, yeah. uh, part of the um, Blog Brothers on YouTube. He's really, he's really adamant that the U.S. needs to get rid of uh, the penny. One thing I liked was that 
when Bester was leaving, he said, be seeing you, which I always take as a prisoner reference. But he, in this particular case, reference. yeah, in this particular case, he also did the hand gesture. So it was absolutely yeah, he did the clear. Salute. Was, yeah, right. It was absolutely clear. It was the prisoner reference. Interesting. So do you think, yeah. I mean, having not seen the prisoner, um, I don't know what to make of that. So do you think that it's just a nod to the prisoner, like a wink, wink? Or do you think it actually has something to do with whatever the prisoner is about? I assume well, it's just I'm, a nod. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think it's a nod to the prisoner. And maybe um, if you know what the prisoner's about, I'll say this, if you know what the prisoner's about, well, draw your own conclusions. They might be wrong. They might be right. Interesting. Okay, next we see Catherine meet up with Jakar, and she wants to know why he helped her. And he says, why not? Um, seemed like a good idea at the time. And he repeats what he said earlier about people not being what they seem. And she wants to know what she saw at Sigma 957. And he gives a really good speech about how there are things older than any of them. And if they're aware of us at all, and we're nothing more than ants to them. I hope someone has the full quote. Yeah, I have most of it. It was long, though. Yeah. Because then she asked another question, and then he, he kept going, and <laughs> I didn't know where to stop. So. Yeah, what do you make of this idea that there are other races billions of years older than any of the ones currently around them? These mysterious forces. I find it very interesting and kind of mind baffling um i do hope that we like hear more of this and uh maybe find out more about these other races but at this point i can't really speculate on anything it's just too big and mm-hmm. all like all i can really think is like is like gods you know as far as like they're you know they're older and they're bigger not necessarily just in like a size sense but um Mm -hmm. but that kind of thing so yeah um i mean it would make sense we're in a universe where you have all of these um different races that are all relatively human shaped that you would also have a variety of other life forms um that aren't human shaped um so yeah it makes sense um i don't get how See, I don't know if there if that was supposed to be a ship or if that was supposed to be what it was, but <clears throat> I don't know how it can live in in deep space. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, just to give you a name to call them, um, they're just called walkers. We don't know whether they're a ship or a um, race at this point, or whether we're going to see them again. But basically, we do have a name for them that's not actually on screen here, but Mm-hmm. You know, it has actually been confirmed that called the walkers. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I think it's because of what uh, Jakar says in his speech. You know, uh, he says something along the lines of they walk on walk near Sigma nine five seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just picture them as zombies. So <laughs> <laughs> they're white walkers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, totally interesting. I I do hope we see them again. And um, or other things like that. I don't know what they could do story-wise, <laughs> but yeah, and they're probably expensive. No, yeah, that's true. Well, that was the end of the episode. JMS made a joke that the ant was paid according to SAG rules, Screen Ants Guild. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Another note, this was the 10th episode film, but they aired it number six. Just because They moved it up just because they liked the episode so much. Okay. Interesting reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> we like that one. It's really good. Let's do it now. <laughs> that is... Okay. So they filmed it 10th, and it was supposed to be 10th, but they moved it to 6th. Right. I don't like that at all. That makes me very, very sad about what episodes are coming because... Nothing has changed in terms of what we know about Sinclair or, I mean, I don't know. Ugh, I'm frustrated. It means that there's probably not much uh, real development between now and yes, episode 10. That's exactly what I was trying to uh-huh. say. Yes. Yeah. And it makes me sad and frustrated. Although sometimes when they air things out of order, there are things that happen that should have changed and yet they just ignore them. Well, that's true. And then you think about it later and you're like, well, they should have known that. Right. Well, let's see. Sinclair is still with Catherine. So clearly him and Delenn aren't sharing a cabin um, because they're married now. (laughs) He hasn't gone crazy. It's too timing. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to be mad. Yeah, I don't see that. She's going to use that ring on him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, you have any other notes, Ian? Um, well, the other note, oh, yes, I do actually. It's uh, something that was in the credits at the beginning and uh, has been going on since the beginning, but I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Um, we've got a creative consultant for the series, um, Harlan Ellison. Oh, wow. The author Harlan Ellison is a creative consultant on the series. And that is who? Sorry. He's a very famous science fiction author and uh, often does really, really dark stuff. I mean, this could get very interesting. Hmm. Very, very opinionated from what I've heard. Oh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know either, Elizabeth, so. Okay, good. Don't feel bad. (laughs) Well, that's basically what I've known him from is, you know, hearing all of the opinionated things he, he says on the internet. And it kind of, I haven't it actually is. read anything he's written, I don't think. Uh, the, the stuff is brilliant. But from a TV context, he wrote City at the Edge of Forever from the original Star Trek. I think that's the next episode in my Star Trek watch. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've heard about it. But yeah, he's been around for a while. Hmm. Huh. Okay. I don't mind dark, so... So let's move into quotes of the week. Any quotes? Yes. Let's see. Which one do I want? Um, I'm going to go with Ivanova. All the moral fiber of Jack the Ripper. What do you do in your spare time? Juggle babies over a fire pit? Oops, there goes another calculated risk. How about one too? I have Jakar just simply, no one here is exactly what he appears. Okay, then I'll go for Bester. Anatomically impossible, Mr. Garibaldi, but you're more than welcome to try. Anytime, anywhere. (laughs) Go ahead, Bob. The ones I wanted are gone. Let me see. Um, This is Jakar. Why? Why not? That's not an answer. Oh, yes, it is. It's just not the answer you like or the answer you expected. There's a difference. Narns, humans, centauri, 
We all do what we do for the same reason, because it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, that was a good mm-hmm. one. Um, okay, well, I'll take the... It, it's not the whole thing, but I have quite a bit of it, uh, Jakar. So, um, there are things in the universe billions of years older than either of our races. They are vast, timeless. If they are aware of us at all, it is as little more than ants. And we have as much chance of co- communicating with them as an ant has with us. We know. We've tried. We've learned that we can either stay out from underfoot or be stepped on. Uh, uh, Any others? I love that scene. Yes. Shadrog out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If there are no others, let's move to our characters of the week. Any nominations for human of the week? I have to go with Bester. I know he might not be the nicest human of the week, but I think he's the best human of the week. I thought he was interesting. At least I was going back and forth between Bester and Talia. And I'm going... Nope, Talia, she had that speech. Forget it. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 well, right. That, it was interesting to see if she could make Sinclair cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Success. Yeah, I I could go for Bester. I actually went with Evadova just because I really, really enjoyed like all of her digs at the side and like getting all of her aggression out on them. That was that was fun. Yeah, yeah. especially the quote you had earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I went went with Bester also. I mean you can't beat evil Chekhov, but I also loved Ivanova's, you know, just just tearing them a new one. Yeah, I'll go with Bester. I didn't I didn't really know who to pick. Um, I was almost going to go with Sinclair, but that that's not going to be good. So <laughs> that can't go happen. ahead. Oh, you want to go with Catherine? Oh, God, no. <laughs> that was so boring. <laughs> I, oh, I'll call it for best. We bought up this one already, so let's give it to the guest star. How about Alien of the Week? Hmm. <laughs> um, Jakar or the Walker? Or the Ant. I was going to say, or do we go for whatever Ironheart became? No. We don't know what he became. We can't can't call that. (laughs) No. Okay. I just put it out there as an option. Uh (laughs) I think we take it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with Jakar too. Jakar's fine by me. Yeah, I'll go with Jakar. How many is this for Jakar now? Uh, I think this is the second one if you count our tie for the first episode. Yeah, each each of us picked a different one, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of feels like Jakar's one more, though. Maybe because he gets nominated every week. But. Yeah. Well, I didn't know these were aired out of order, and Jakar actually did seem to me to be different from previous episodes. You know, he's got this kind of laid back, whimsical side that I really hadn't seen before, so I really liked him in this episode. You know what yeah. that is? That's probably the influence of Natoth. <laughs> <laughs> We've had Jakar, Kodoth, and Natoth of all ones, so the Narn are doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah the Narn are. Yeah. All right, how about episode ratings? Bob, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, this is one of my favorites. I am starting to enjoy the character development more. Um, I will give it an... 8 out of 10 anatomically impossible suggestions. Um, <laughs> even the stuff I haven't liked in the past, I like Sinclair starting to get a little angry a couple of times. I really enjoyed Ivanova exploding at the Psychops. Um, 
I think Catherine is okay when she's away from Sinclair. Uh, I really like Jakar, as I said. Uh, one of my disappointments is I don't think Delenn was in the episode at all, right? I, I didn't notice her. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't see her at all. Yeah, and I, I, I thought she was in every episode from what I heard, that like most of the ambassadors were only in a limited amount, but she was in all of them, but I, I didn't see her at all. And and I like Bester. I thought he was a, a, a nice guest spot, and as I said, I hope he reappears. Okay, how about you, Heidi? Um, I liked this one quite a bit, uh, starting out, and then the middle portion, it kind of seemed like there was just so much talking and, like, waiting for something to happen that I kind of slowed down a bit, and... Yeah, they're waiting for him to become... <laughs> they had all these big ideas, but kind of didn't know how to connect the beginning to the end, and, um... So even like with Catherine, uh, when she's, she, we get a scene of her where she says that she'll be there in like two and a half hours or something. And, and it just seemed like they had to jump to her to remind us what was going on, but they weren't necessarily doing anything with her at the moment. And I kind of felt like that with some of the, um, conversations like with Jason and different things like that, that like there was just a lot of waiting in the middle. But then towards the end, it got really good again. And like, I really enjoyed getting all of the information out of this episode because we wanted to know more about the Psychor and Elizabeth got her rogue sigh. And uh, so like, I really enjoyed that part. Um, so I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 awkward conversations about psychic sex. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Um, let me just think for one second. Um, okay. Um, sorry, that was the only one I. Oh no, no, that's okay. It's okay. Okay, I'll just I'll wing it. Um, okay. So, um, from what I can gather, I know a lot of people really like this episode. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, there's two there's two reasons why I didn't enjoy this episode. I think as much as I could have. One is an overall thing. Um, I'm getting a tiny, tiny bit frustrated and this is just me. Um, I know that, um, that they're setting up a lot of stuff. Like we've seen a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things happen in all the episodes so far. And I could tell that they're setting up what they're going to be doing in the future. However, it's slightly starting to frustrate me because I feel like we don't have a good through line through the episodes. We don't have the same characters in all the episodes. I mean, we have the same like three top three characters, Sinclair and Ivanova and Garibaldi, but the other ones just come and go. We don't, I mean, we, we, they bring up something of the hole in his mind. We don't really get any information. And I really want to see that. So although I was excited to hear about the psychops and that we were getting some more information about the psychor, I was also disappointed that we didn't find out anything about, Sinclair and Delenn and stuff like that. So, and now I'm like worried <laughs> that it's going to continue on like that for a while. So that's kind of an external reason that this episode didn't do it as much for me. The other one is kind of like Heidi said, like I thought it had really good ideas, but I thought the execution was a little bit all over the place. And I didn't like the actor that played Ironheart. Um, I thought he was way too over the top. So that took me out of it. I didn't really care what was happening with Catherine. And I don't, I still don't understand 
I mean, it just seemed almost, I, I get that we had that ending and, and that was interesting, but the story to get there was so uninteresting. Um, so, but I did like the ideas. I liked the psychops. Um, uh, I love what they're setting up so I can see that it's a setup. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to give it a six and a half, um, juggling babies out of 10. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about you, Ian? Yeah, um, I like some of the concepts in this episode. I like the introduction of the Psychops, and as Elizabeth said, the exploration of telepaths more in this episode. And, yeah, I like the fact that there's more to this universe than just the regular races. Too often in sci-fi, you just get standard humanoid aliens, or at least aliens that are at... Our tech level, you rarely get this idea of mysterious forces out there. And no matter how advanced your civilization is, there's still more mysteries out there to discover, more that science has to explore. And it, it takes a while to get there, Elizabeth. It does, but the, that end bit there, it's just, yeah, it, it just encourages you to look up at the stars and and wonder. Uh, so I really like that. But Ironheart is acting, I mean, before I found it bad, but this time it, it was a struggle to get through the episode. So that's really going to impact my rating. But on the plus side, you've got Bester here, and his presence really boosts the episode. So I'd say it's round about a seven. Uh, seven out of tens be seeing you. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, for me, well, like you've said, Ironheart brought the episode down a little bit for me, but on the plus side, I really like seeing uh, Bester and the Psychops, and I also really enjoy Jakar in this episode, especially his speech at the end. But I'll give it eight out of ten ants underfoot. <laughs> so, our, so our our total rating is a seven point three. Um, I'm blanking here, Bob. You probably gave your rating, but I can't remember. It, it was an eight. Okay, sorry, I I just blanked there. That's okay. Yeah. So now let's head over to feedback. We have some email feedback this week. Um, first is email from Victor DeGrand, who wants to read that. I'll go. This is your brother, Bob? Yes, I had no idea he had written in, actually. This should be fun. <laughs> okay, this is from Victor DeGrand. It says, Hi, all. I watched B5 way back when it first aired, and when my brother told me about your podcast, I did a rewatch to comment on his episode. This episode brings telepaths front and center. It seems the old saying, they can't arrest me for what I'm thinking, doesn't apply when a telepath is around. Garibaldi learns this the hard way when he thinks some impure thoughts about Talia and gets an elbow in his ribs for his trouble. <laughs> Most important of all, we get our first good look at the Psychor. The first time I saw this episode, I was absolutely shocked to see Walter... How do you pronounce that? Koenig. 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 Sorry. To see Walter Koenig cast as a Psychop. Our beloved Chekhov was playing a character who may not be a villain, but he sure is a jerk. I kept expecting him to say something like, the Psychor was invented in... I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't have been the one to read this one. Yes. The Psychor was invented in Russia? Oh, he's, that's a, he's doing a Russian accent. He played a Russian character on Star Trek. 
Sycor oh, was oh, in, invented. Invented in Rosia. Yes. The more we see of the Earth government in general, and the Psychor in particular, the less we like them. There's so much going on that I don't want to spoil, so let's just say that JMS and B5 are very good at foreshadowing. Skipping ahead to the end, Bester leaves by saying, Be seeing you. The same cynical greeting used by the Watchers who saw everything on the show, The Prisoner. Hmm, interesting. Watchers who saw everything. Finally, we find out that Jakar may not be such a bad guy after all, at least when Londo is not around to incite him. It's when Jakar and Londo, or as I call them, Abbott and Costello, are together that the sparks really fly. This was an excellent episode, and it gets nine slightly deranged telekinetics out of ten. Regards, Victor DeGrand. Thank you, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thank you. Our next email is from Yan, who wants to take that one. Well, I'll make my attempt of the week at reading an email anyway. Uh, Okay, Yan starts by saying... Hi, fellow lurkers in down below. A bit of feedback for episode six, Mind War. So, your guesses were quite interesting, but a bit off for this episode. No matter. It is one of those really good episodes of season one. We signed ourselves with Chekhov, uh, um, I mean, Bester, the Psychop. Walter Koenig quickly dispels the image of Chekhov in this episode, a really creepy character. He does get under the skin, I think. Younger sci-fi fans may not be aware that this is a nod to the science fiction author Alfred Brewster, who wrote the novel The Demolished Man, published in 1953. The novel deals with Thorkles, so quite appropriate name for a psychop. Hmm. Yeah. There is another nod to an old British sci-fi series when Bester at the end says, Be seeing you. Uh, the little hand gesture is right out of a sci-fi spy series, The Prisoner, from 1967, dealing with similar issues. The development of Jason Ironheart into Becoming Everything is not such a new plot device in sci-fi. I recognise it from the example next-gen... Uh, third season episode Transfigurations where an alien is hunted by his own species to to prevent him from developing into the next level of existence this one has a similar somewhat different twist on the concept then there is the gift that he gave to Talia telekinesis in any case but is there more to it than that and then Sigma 957 is not a safe place. Strange things happen there. Who would not be sceptical about such a statement? I would. But, indeed, strange things do happen there, as Miss Sakai must realise, and we get a more kind and thoughtful side of Jakar. Did you expect that, ambassadors? Actually, I really like this little ant analogy and the beans at Sigma 957. Also, you could wonder if there is a parallel with the walkers of Sigma 957 and what happened to High and Hearts, or is that a coincidence? And now to my favourites. Human of the week, Talia Winters, Alien, Jakar, and his quote is Jakar. Yes, they are a mystery, and I am both terrified and reassured to know that there are still wonders in the universe that we have not yet explained. Whatever they are, Mr. Kai, 
they walk near Sigma 957 and they must walk there alone. Score for this episode, 9 out of 10 Wonders of the Universe. All the best to you and the podcast from the voice of down below, the Babylon Lurker, Jan. Thank you, Jan. Thank you. Jan. Thank you. I'm glad you brought up that quote because that was like a really good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our last email is from Lori. Heidi, do you want to take that one? Yes. Hello, ambassadors. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. I thought Walter Koenig as Vester was excellent, and I assume it was a surprise seeing him. Actually, for me, I don't recognize him at all, so it didn't really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a Star Trek person. (laughs) At the beginning, when he is projecting his thoughts to the station crew, it felt almost invasive just watching, and that stare was very disconcerting. I was very glad to see Sinclair call him out on it and force him to talk out loud. I did feel very sad for Talia, as well as Ironheart, even though he had volunteered for the experiments. I liked the way it ended with Sinclair getting Talia out of trouble. He again seems to enjoy skirting the rules. Ivanova was not in a lot of the episode, but really enjoyed her when she was making snarky comments. I also enjoyed seeing Catherine again, being independent and out on her own, though perhaps a bit too much. I do wonder why she did not have any staff to help on her survey mission. Loved Ambassador Jakar rescuing her and his monologue at the end. I hope someone quotes that. Done. Yay. Human, this one was hard, as I really like Talia, but we'll go with Bester. Alien, Ironheart, assuming he is no longer human at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for all your hard work, Lori. Cheers, Lori. Thanks, everyone. If you want to send us feedback, please send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. So our the next episode, we'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. The name of the episode is War Prayer. Any prediction? War Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that really helps. I, right. Okay, I'm going to go with that this is not... This is not something that's going to be necessarily about some big war or battle or anything, as maybe kind of the title suggests. I'm going to go with maybe we learn more about some alien race. Maybe not one of the main ones that we've seen. Um, Maybe a race that is uh, heavily involved in war. Uh, I don't know. My theory is horrible, but that's what I'm going to go with. Just We're going to see a new race. Okay. Anything, Elizabeth or Bob? It's not as horrible as mine because I'm drawing a blank. Um, I'm going to go out on a huge limb that has nothing to do with anything and say we're going to see the Vorlons next episode. Ooh. And I, I don't know how that ties into the title, I but um, I that's... Hmm. You know, I'm not sure that it has to because we had one about purple. (laughs) Yes, and the Parliament of Dreams, which that was impossible. Right. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to hope it uh, has to do with the Vorlons. Bob? I'm going to take a guess and think that we're not actually going to see a current day war in the episode, but maybe a flashback to an earlier war. And I'm really hoping that we don't get to see Sinclair in a fighter plane again. (laughs) Well, if it brings us back to the Earth-Mimbari War, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, that, that's something that. I'd really like to see, yeah. yeah. I know, I think we're hesitant to like predict that, because 
we keep predicting that we're going to actually find stuff out, and then we don't. Yeah. Are you getting? Yeah. Are you getting to the stage where you predict it? You're kind of cursing the episode. <laughs> well, I, right. I I just don't trust any of my predictions, but um, at least for the next episode, I think overall we we can predict some stuff that it's going to happen right. because they're clearly setting it up. But um, Heidi, or and Bob, I guess. Um, so last week we didn't talk about this, and I rewatched the scene with the Mimbari ceremony. Uh huh. And I wrote down what they said, and I want to ask you guys a question. Okay. So she said, will you follow me into fire, into storm, into darkness, into death? And the nine said, yes. Then do this in testimony to the one who will who will bring death couched in the promise of new life and renewal disguised as defeat. So is that supposed to be Sinclair? The one who will follow? And renewal disguised as defeat, was that the war? Were they surrendered? Very well could be. Yeah, I think the second part of that makes sense. Uh-huh. Right? don't know about Sinclair. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why he would be the one. Right, right. We don't really, like, want him to play that big, huge role, and who knows why, but but it could be, because they seem to think there's something big and important about him. And then what the, the guy says at the end of the episode, see you in a million years, you know, maybe he knows something <clears throat> about Sinclair. Maybe Sinclair will become as well. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. <laughs> That's it. A million years. We're never getting rid of him. <laughs> uh, maybe we time jump. I don't know. <laughs> we time but jump like, a million years. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was like the Earth and Minbari were fighting. The Earth was on the ropes. Then Sinclair thought he was going to die. He was coming up to the Minbari ship. And then he lost time or whatever, his consciousness at that point. So, like, I wonder if they saw something in him or they took him and implanted something in him or I don't know. It just what makes me think. It was all very... We just we didn't talk about it last last time. I thought I wanted to bring it up. But, um, Interesting. So, so do you guys think that Talia is going to become a more... Uh, she's going to work on her telekinesis powers and it's going to become a thing where she gets stronger and stronger? I think, yes. Like, I think she's going to get stronger, but I think she's going to go crazy while she does it. Oh, yeah, yeah she has a 50% actually one, chance. Yeah, right. That was actually my, one of my questions. Is, does she now have a 50% chance or is it just that, you know, some of the people were crazy and stayed crazy and some of them weren't and stayed sane? Uh, I don't know. I do think her powers are going to be developed. I don't think this is like the X-Files ending where they throw something out at the end of the episode and, you know, look, this thing can come back and it never does. Yeah. 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 I hope so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're going to see definitely more of this. And uh, I, I do think that she's going to get stronger. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen. So we guys, we all think that we're going to see the Psycops more and they're going to be like evil and stuff, right? Or the Psycore. Like that's going to be a thing, right? Yeah, I think definitely. I also yeah. think because, um, because I know it's hard when you're a veteran of a show, but uh, I kept hearing and seeing that they were introduced. So oh, that's true. I'm yes, pretty sure that. that we're gonna see these psychops again. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's I, yeah. Go ahead. I expect to see them again. I hope to see them again. And, and like Elizabeth, I would like to see ones that aren't evil to see a little more variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And we haven't heard anything more about um the uh anti alien sentiment or whatever. So hopefully that comes back up because I think it must. 
I think so too. I think that most of this stuff that is set up is definitely coming back. It's just waiting for when it finally does. Yeah, like I can totally see that they're doing stuff with setting things up. I it and I I'm all down with that. It's just it's a little bit more clunky for me when it, when it's actually happening. <laughs> Because you're kind of like they're trying to set up things here and then the next episode they set up a different thing and, and then eventually it'll all come together, hopefully. So mm-hmm. these are all the signs and importance. Each episode is a different sign, I guess. And hopefully at the end we're not sitting here going, what did the numbers mean? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe you equated the two of them. <laughs> they were dead the whole time, but they weren't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. What did you say, Bob? I said, I haven't finished it. Don't tell me anything about the ending. We haven't. You, did, you said that? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear you. Oh, it's okay. We haven't. <laughs> Honestly. I actually haven't seen the last season, so. Well, then I'm yeah. slightly, ahead, slightly ahead of you. Okay. Anything else? Any more predictions? No. Are we, we going to see this guy again? Ironheart, do we think? Probably not, huh? No. He I became, so. remember? Mm. <laughs> well, he became like, I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't know if I should say, but JMS did answer questions at the time about who may or may not be coming back in this episode. But... Uh, oh, I'm not he... sure I want to know that. Yeah. Oh. Huh, I wonder why he answered those questions. I guess they weren't as big into spoilers back then. Well, you think about it, and people let out a lot of spoilers now about shows, like things that they want you to come back for. Oh, that's true. That's how yeah. Michael Ofiello makes his living. Yeah. <laughs> well, next week we're going to probably release two commentary episodes, I think. Heidi and Elizabeth are going to do one, and Ian and myself and whoever we can drag along may do a spoiler-filled commentary, and I'll probably be drinking during that episode. True. <laughs> but- Um, I'll never be able to hear it (laughs) after the series. Yeah. Uh, But in two weeks, we'll have the war prayer or war prayer. Um, Bob, tell us where we can find you on the Internet. Sure. Um, I'm one of the hosts of the Dexter cast, which is the Dextercast.com. We're an intro cast for Dexter. We follow the wacky adventures of America's favorite serial killer. Um, Elizabeth's been a guest on it. And, uh, if you are curious about the series and haven't seen it, all eight seasons are now available on Netflix streaming. Cool. Yes, listen to DexterCast. It's really good. Yes, I've been catching up because I hadn't actually started listening because I wanted to watch along and listen, but the it never happened. I was never able to do that. So I finally just started listening, and I'm now in season four, and I'm really excited to be in season four. Oh, great. Yeah. It's it Dexter's one of those shows I keep meaning to watch. Keep on watching the pilot episode and never get past it because they always have never have time for it. But I'll, I've got to make time for it at some point, and I'll listen to your podcast when I do. Thank you. The uh, I was actually hooked at the end of the pilot episode. There, there are a lot of shows that really start slowly, and Dexter actually isn't one of them. The first season of Dexter is really strong. Right. It is, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not that I don't want to continue watching, it's just I never find time to continue watching. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I really should make time for it. 
Oh, cool. I don't know if we've ever said this on the show, but you can also find me on Intro to Briscoe, which is a intro cast about the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And Heidi, what about you? Um, you could find me at castlecast.net and over on Quadruple Z, I do an intro cast for Veronica Mars. Yay. And I don't do Ian and Heidi, do you have anything? Oh, Elizabeth. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Elizabeth. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just do this one and I guest um, on a couple different ones here and there. But yes, not, I'm going to be a guest on Briscoe County Jr. at some point and really looking forward to that. That's a show I have seen before and I love it. Cool. Yeah, I don't want to be a guest is... too, but it's str- I'm struggling through it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of got that impression from. Sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. You're not the only <laughs> one who didn't like that episode. Um, this is the first um, show I've done. The only other thing I've done recently is guest on a, a um, spoiler-filled Red Dwarf intro cast uh, spoiler episode, and that's not out yet, but it should be soon. So if you've seen everything, read everything in the Red Dwarf universe, um, you can actually listen to that. Otherwise, I'm just sending feedback here and there for other things. Well, I guess that's all we have for today, everybody. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.